Uh, wait, do we does our does our does our pre-intro intro lead into the mm-hmm. name of the show? No, that comes after the. It does. Yeah. No. We're like, hey, we're gonna talk about this. No, it doesn't. We say, hey, everyone, blah, blah, blah. this is our intro, blah, blah blah blah. No, because we have our banter, don't we? No, do we? I don't remember how it goes. Hi everyone, I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And it's Del Toro time! It's Del Toro time! And it seems like it's really early in the morning, although it's not. It is earlier than usual, because normally you wouldn't have woken me up by now. Oh well, you know, we got a whole movie to watch and a thing to do. We're watching a whole movie today. Yeah, 71 minutes. Because our last movie was not a whole movie. Well, the last movie we didn't watch all in one sitting. Because no. it was not 71 minutes. Our <laughs> last movie was not a whole movie. Our last movie was like... 60, 12, wait, hold on. 60, 12 minutes. <laughs> 60, 12, no, 66, 12, 12, 24. It was like 260 minutes, 250 minutes. It was more than a little more over two hours. No, four hours. I can't do math. This movie is short. It would be 240 minutes. This movie was made when Hollywood had finally figured out that no one's going to sit through a four hour movie unless it had hobbits in it. So I wouldn't sit. I, I can't. I literally. Well, what's the first. No. No, no. None of the Lord of the Rings movies were actually four hours long. That wasn't a thing. That's like all of them combined. No, all of them combined was like 10 hours long. Right, because there's a lot of them. No, no, no. The first three movies, if you combined them, were 10 hours long because they were like three hours. Right, okay. So three hours from change once you got the director, the the extended cuts in. Oh, yeah. I'm going to that again this year. Again? I thought you only went once. I guess you can go again. Well, but so, you didn't yes. sit through all of it last no, year. Are you gonna Are you gonna do it this year? You're gonna yeah, make hopefully. it this year? All three Lords of the Rings. Hopefully. Uh, well, if you don't, you don't. They're available on video from fine home video establishments. I own all of them. Speaking of fine home video, what movie are we watching uh, this a week? Frankenstein. Frankenstein, 1931. James Whale. It is our first. Not silent movie. And our first. No wait, it's just not silent. I thought that was another first coming up. Oh, it's our first movie with a big name director. That no wait, Eric von Eric von Stroheim was a big name director. Sorry, it's our first. It's just our first. Oh my god, this is a disaster. It's our first hour long film. It's our first decently lengthed film. Right with sound. That's it's a, it's an accomplishment. We made it this far, and I think we have a few like really short films. This is a period of time when when film studios were like, let's just get them in and out. We've got we're trying to get butts in seats we're trying to make a buck if it's good it's good but let's just make some movies these were this is where we begin our our period of accidental classics uh so you said to me that you've seen frankenstein but it was a long time ago so we're gonna pretend you haven't seen frankenstein (laughs) at all Well, i mean i know the what, what it's about right right i mean this is one of those movies that like culturally you know a lot of stuff so off the top of your head what do you think is gonna happen in this movie um there's gonna be an insane doctor, okay. who creates a monster. A monster. Um, mm-hmm. Monster gets out. People try to kill him. There's he like falls in love with a woman, and there's this weird wedding scene. Okay. And then people try and kill him, and then I can't remember what happens after that. Can you think of any characters besides the doctor and the monster who might be in it? There's a woman. Okay. And then there's her fiance. 
I remember that Frankenstein gets locked in like a dungeon for a while or something. Do you mean Frankenstein or the monster? The monster. Uh, <laughs> We're having this conversation <laughs> a lot. <laughs> you know, I've I it's been so ingrained to me to call the monster Frankenstein at this point. So, mm-hmm. and I know it's not. I know he's not called Franken uh, Frankenstein. That's the doctor. Right. The monster. It's just the monster or the creation, as some people call him. Yeah, no, I'm not going to remember that. Some people call him Adam. Some people can... Well, they call him Adam because in the novel he says, I am I am your Adam or something. Because it's a creation and God and stuff like that. Uh, I'm um, the monster. <laughs> we just say the monster. Frankenstein's monster. So, uh, so that's what we got. You... There's, there's a little girl in it. There's a little girl in it. And there's a lake scene. Are you anticipating it being terrifying? No. Are you anticipating it being scream... Screaming? No. Are you just, you're not. <laughs> people will scream in it, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but not you. I saw it when I was in elementary school, Dad. Did you anticipate it being so frightening you run out of the room? No. Because that's apparently what happened in the movie theaters when the movie first premiered. What a bunch of wimps! It was a different era. People were terrified. They were going through the depression. The last thing they needed was a monster. But why did they make the movie? Head, make a lot of money. Uh, we'll talk about why. obviously not. We will talk about why they made the movie when we discuss the movie. There are reasons why this movie got made, with whom it got made, and how it got made. This is the beginning of like an era, a real era. I accidentally stuck my finger on <laughs> <up> my nose. <laughs> All right. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, gentleman, 1931's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. It's alive. Frankenstein, the man who made a monster. That's, there's your plot right there. <laughs> well, this is going to be a really easy plot to run down. It kind of is going to be an easy plot to run down. It's going to take like two seconds. We just did it in two seconds, like two seconds ago. <laughs> so are we back? We are back. We're back. Uh, hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome back. Welcome back. We watched the movie. We did. And then we sat around. For oh, a week, a while. <laughs> we we sat we we watched the movie on Friday. Yeah, I didn't want to record because I needed to think about stuff. Yeah, so it's been less than a week. <laughs> it's been it, five days. It's been five days. It's been five days since we watched the movie. Not a complicated film. No. Uh, not anything that you need to remember a lot of twists and turns. No. How many main characters are there in this movie? Pretty much anyone that makes an appearance on screen. Uh, but I mean, like you have. Just like four or five. You have Colin Clive as mm-hmm. Dr. Frankenstein. You have Mae Clark as, what is her name? She's such a almost non-character. You ever heard of she, Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Uh, you have John Bowles as Victor, the nothing man. <laughs> uh, you have Edward Von Sloan as the doctor, Dr. Waldman. And... Uh, Frederick Kerr as Baron Frankenstein. Oh, and Dwight Fry as Fritz. I can't remember Fritz. He's a... You can't remember Fritz? You can't forget Fritz. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot remember Fritz because you ask anyone, and nine times out of ten, you're going to get the answer that Frankenstein's assistant is named... The Hunchback of Notre Dame? (laughs) No, Igor. (laughs) Oh. Everyone thinks that Dr. Frankenstein's assistant is named Igor. I had no idea what the heck you were talking about. Whenever you see a hunchback assistant to a mad scientist, it's always... It's always named Igor, and it's always someone doing a Peter Lorre impression. But Fritz is neither named Igor, nor is he Peter Lorre. 
He's just a guy. Like, kind of a squirrely guy. A weird guy. Yeah, he's a weird little guy. Um, kind of a jerk. The way he, you know, whoosh, 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 hits the Frankenstein monster. Um, but let's well, let's talk about this movie. Give me a rundown of the plot. Man makes monster. Mm-hmm. Monster escapes. Monster stops wedding. They chase monster to lighthouse. A lighthouse? What is it? A tower? A windmill. A windmill, <laughs> right. I knew it was some sort of electrical appliance. And what do they do to the milling wind? They burn it. They burn it to the ground. With fire. With uh, with the monster inside. And that's pretty much the plot. It's uh-huh. very simple. You've got like this extended intro. This extended, well, <laughs> let's talk about the intro first. Let's talk about uh, Edward Von Sloan as the... <laughs> somewhat affected uh host of the movie i guess i don't know talk about this character well, who is this guy i read that it was based off of the like play this this intro yeah well he was also this is what he did at the end of dracula he comes out so von sloan played uh played van helsing in the movie of dracula for universal which is the smart doctor who kind of knows what's going on. Then they kind of had him just play the same exact character, accent and all, for Frankenstein. They just changed his name. But why did he play it like that? Mm. Like, I don't understand. Like, I wasn't on set. I don't know what they told him to do. So with the audience, he's very... <sighs> he's very Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. He's... Like Twilight Zone host. But he makes these little, like, faces at the audience. Like, <laughs> like what are you... I don't understand, like, what you... I, I, I heard that they added it later to, like, ward off any criticisms from, like, from like conservative people, like churches and religious leaders, because this is a movie about a guy playing God and creating life. Well, I and thought the point of the movie was that if you play God, you're not going not gonna to do anything good. Well, remember, the audiences tend to miss the point in movies. So when you see a main character doing something, they start thinking that the movie is promoting doing that thing, as opposed to just... Wasn't, the, like, director gay... Frank Whale? Yeah. Oh, yes. So, oh, not Frank Whale. I think I always confuse him. I always think of Frank Whaley, the actor <laughs> who is in uh, Swimming with Sharks and Pulp Fiction, etc. James Whale. James Whale is a director. Um, Frank Whaley is an actor that nobody ever knows of. James Whale. Uh, James Whale For is a director. Probably, you know, Frank Whaley is gay. I don't think he is, but, you know, I don't know Frank Whaley. Nope. But James Whale definitely was uh, gay, and he was uh, part of the sort of uh open secret of hollywood uh gay filmmakers and gay producers and gay actors like they all knew each other and people in the biz kind of knew what was going on but obviously no one talked about it especially in the 1930s but whale was kind of well known and kind of made a name for putting a lot of i don't want to say just gay subtext into his movies gay text is more like it because it's not very sub half the time it's not (laughs) Very sub-toll half the time. It's not very sub half the time. It's uh, pretty dom. <laughs> if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna mince words. Um, yeah, it's not it. But there's a lot of like little like things where your your typical Midwest flyover state audience isn't gonna catch it. But uh, if you are part of the what at the time was definitely a subculture, you were gonna be like, the dude who made this is gay like me. I'm totally picking up on this. <laughs> and uh, you get a little bit of that with Frankenstein. We're going to get a lot of that with The Bride of Frankenstein. Um, Which I'm very excited to see. Yeah, yeah. The Bride of Frankenstein uh, is, 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 is more of a trip. The, this is more of a... 
more of a work for hire. Like you could tell that he was just doing what he needed to do to make a movie and putting in what he could, making it stylistic. But you know, it wasn't. There's nothing very over the top in a lot of this. But there's some good stuff in here. Uh, let's talk about. Let's just talk about these characters. They're very bland. You think? Well, two of them are. Who are the two of them? Elizabeth and uh-huh. Victor. <laughs> They're just bland. Talk about Victor. Who's Victor? Now, in the book, there's a Victor Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Is that who this is? No. No, there's just this guy, Victor. What does Victor do? Nothing. <laughs> He's like the best friend? I guess, of, of Henry Frankenstein? But obviously he's not. <laughs> well, because what does he do with Elizabeth at the very beginning of the movie? He's like, I love you. And she's like, that's inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> he makes us all very uncomfortable. <laughs> Where he's like, I know you're going to marry Henry, but I love you very much. <laughs> she's like, like that's really inappropriate you need she, to leave she basically does that yeah she's like mm, not having it and uh which you know gives me some respect for elizabeth because she's very like uh she knows what she wants and what she don't want is victor what no one wants is victor which is a shame because a he seems like a pretty down-to-earth dude he seems nice and b he's not henry who is not a down-to-earth dude is uh, this an arranged marriage is this like a I don't think so. So there's Henry Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Let's just talk about him a little bit. What is he? He's quirky. <laughs> well, <laughs> considering the first time we meet him, he's with a little hunchback man, and they're digging up a grave of a newly buried cadaver. Yeah, he's a little quirky. Okay, but like, that's not that weird. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not weird in a movie called Frankenstein. but <laughs> No, but like... I don't know. So we, we open the, the the first scene in the movie is a, is a funeral. Like it's a, a Actually, great. Actually, the first scene in the movie is a weird introduction. Is the weird introduction. But then the first scene in the movie proper is this uh, graveside service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very stage bound. Like you, it looks like a stage. Like yeah. it's very set bound. Uh, but it's kind of a, you know, it's a, for how short this movie is, it's a lengthy little service. Then there's like, you sort of like watch a grave digger bury the coffin, pat down the earth and walk off. And then. These two heads pop up over a fence, and it's Henry Frankenstein and his little his little his little man, Fritz. And they go and uh, dig up this this grave. And that's your introduction to your main character. Is he's a ghoul who digs up graves? I mean, like he could have asked for permission. Like he could have been like, "Hey, would you like to donate like bodies to science or something?" He could have, but he didn't. Yeah. I mean, not even within the confines of the story. No, do you- but like. I th- I thought I thought he did that was like he did that at the school and like all that stuff. No, because why would we be hiding behind a fence, <laughs> no, <laughs> waiting he, for everyone to leave? He did at the school, but the bodies weren't fresh enough. Right, right, right. So, and he thinks that he's creating something amazing. So, like maybe he's willing to cut a few like corners to <laughs> get what he needs. Grave robbing is the ultimate corner cutting. I will. Okay, <laughs> but like people in Supernatural do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So especially at the time that Frankenstein, the novel, was written, uh, doing experiments with corpses was not cool. Like, people had to do it. Didn't they, like, get, get burned at the stake or something for it? That was witches. That was, a little, that was witches. That was doing witchcraft. We watched a whole movie about that. <laughs> um, it was frowned upon, and usually the, the bodies had to be, had, you had to come by them in tricky little ways. You had to buy corpses off of, like, the... Black market. The black market, basically. Which or is what some people still do. Grave rob... <laughs> Um, See, so it's not that weird. It's not like he was the only one doing it. But it was not a respectable profession. (laughs) No, but if you need the bodies to do your science experiments, like, yeah, I'm not going to donate my body to science, by the way. I'm getting cremated. (laughs) Because you don't want to be resurrected by a 
I don't want to be resurrected oh. at all. A wicked man, his little friend. Like maybe if I was a robot and I could do like <laughs> cool robot moves. But in the future, when you when we're reviving bodies, I will make sure that they give everyone a uh, a uh, a cool robot. I won't have any say over this. What I'm even talking about. So this <laughs> so this movie is based theoretically on the novel Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, uh, or who, how, as she's credited, Mrs. Percy B. Shelley. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so it's it's big. Okay, okay. So the screenplay is by Francis Edward Far- Far- Fargo Farago and Garrett Ford, which is. Based on an adaptation by John Balderston of a play by Peggy Webling based on the novel by Mary Shelley. And even though this movie is not of the play that Peggy Webling wrote, uh, it's a lot of the elements from the play are in it. And they it, took a lot of stuff yeah. and ad- adapted it for movie form. Well, and you can tell it's kind of based on a play because it only takes place in like three different sets. Yeah. And unlike the book, which is set all over the like it starts in Antarctica and goes all over Europe and is like a you know, has multiple multiple characters and takes place over years and years and years. This is like takes place in a few weeks and then there's a jump in time and then it takes place in a day and then you're done. Mm-hmm. Like it's one and done. It's very much a, a stage play. I like um, it. Yeah, it works. Um, and it's it's more the story than say like uh, than Todd Browning's Dracula, which is very much based on a play, which is like let's take the basic idea of Dracula. And just set it all in a castle, and you, just, you know, just have everything. And they can kind of just like compress the time and compress the place, and just. Uh, Wasn't but, the guy who played Dracula originally going to be Frankenstein? Yeah, Bella Lugosi. Yeah, and then um, there was a huge like controversy or something on set. A confusing controversy. If you read about the controversy, like no one really knows what happened. No, it's like a he said, she said thing. It's like, very much like he either left, like he either left because he didn't want to be part of it anymore, or like he was kicked off because he was impossible to work with like well yeah so it was even advertised they they made it posters and everything they were like mary shelley's frankenstein starring bela lugosi you and know. they kept those posters even after he left because they didn't want people to know who was playing the monster and uh but they did a screen test with him with frankenstein makeup that was some people say looked terrible and ridiculous because it was a bad makeup job some people say it was almost the exact same makeup that they ended up using some people say it looked terrible because it was bad makeup. Some people say it just looked terrible because it was on Bela Lugosi. Regardless, he thought he was going to be offered the role of Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And instead they were like, no, you want to play the monster because you're a monster man. But Dracula's not a Frankenstein no, he's monster. Not. <laughs> I, I hear that and I'm like, why would you cast Bela Lugosi as the monster? Funny story, though. Bela Lugosi does end up playing the monster eventually many movies down the line. That's because his career was failing. Um, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It, it was, was very okay. much failing. Uh, Bela Lugosi came to a very, very sad end um, with addiction to drugs and a career of a fading former star. If you follow the threads of most of these actors far enough, you'll end up in either drug addiction or liver disease and then a death. young death. Um, Bela Lugosi's life, though, uh, in, a, in a highly fictionalized but fairly faithful and very sympathetic form, can be found in the movie Ed Wood by Tim Burton, which uh, covers the end of Bela Lugosi's life and his friendship with filmmaker Ed Wood, uh, who, you know, it's very fictionalized, but uh, it's worth seeing. And, uh, and uh, it, paints a, it paints a very sympathetic portrait of Bela Lugosi, um, although it does make it seem like he hated Boris Karloff 
which isn't true at all. He and Boris Karloff, who played the monster, were actually very good friends. Um, well, you need to have some, like, conflict. Yeah, you have to have drama. Like, you know, and these little stories come out. Like, Hollywood is just built around legends. And these, drama. And these drama. So Colin Clive, who played Dr. Frankenstein, Henry Frankenstein. Yeah, I think he does a good job in this. Mm-hmm. He's not likable, but I don't think he's supposed to be. Well, I didn't mind Dr. Frankenstein. Well, I mean, he's... I guess I did just excuse him robbing graves. So, <laughs> See, like... I guess you don't have a problem with anything this man <laughs> does. He, uh, he, He's not a likable guy in the main book either, in the, in the original novel. Like, he makes a lot of mistakes. He does some stupid stuff, and you're I like... I mean, he's a human. What do you expect? He does make a monster man who then he lets escape. Well... <laughs> and then he doesn't take any responsibility for it. Okay, but, like, he didn't expect the monster... He was trying to, like, re... Like, bring someone back from the dead to see if he could like help people yes like he wasn't trying to like well, kill a bunch of he people. also screams i i am a god <laughs> after he came. okay but if, if you brought a corpse back to if you brought a corpse back to life wouldn't you do the same thing i don't know if i would do the same thing i don't know if i would consider myself a god if i brought a corpse back to life if i made life from scratch yes which i've kind of helped do twice in my life i am as to a god no, because that's a biological thing. Stitching right, right. a corpse back together and using the power of ultraviolet rays to bring it back to life is like being a god. It is kind of like it's being playing a god. with the big powers, and it's not good. But it's hard to feel. I mean, I stop feeling sympathy for a character once they start screaming about the fact that they are a god. Like I would probably scream the fact that I was a god if I created life from scratch like that. Well, yes, you probably would. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about the brain. Okay. The so he gives Fritz. Fritzy had one job. What was Fritz's one job? To get the brain. Get a brain for this monster mash because the the brain is too screwed up. He's like, we got this body, but the brain is screwed up for whatever reason. No, because it was because his neck was broken. <laughs> stop! Stop saying that like it makes any sense. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. If your neck breaks, your brain is automatically useless. For reasons. Definitely. Yeah, that's the It's one. not like people live with, with their neck broken for many right. years. Your neck, or that death in general is bad for brains. <laughs> so, so he sends Fritz to get a fresher brain, which means a brain preserved in formaldehyde, I guess. Well, like, no, nah, I don't have any That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you put a brain in formaldehyde, you've rendered it fairly useless. You take a brain out of a person, <laughs> you rendered it fairly, fairly useless. useless. So Fritz goes to uh, to steal a brain from the uh, like the college. It's like the college, like medical school. Where Frankenstein used to go. Right, right, where this doctor is uh, is teaching. And Fritz sneaks in, and there's two brains, one labeled... Good brain. One labeled... Bad brain. Or like evil brain or something. <laughs> it's like the brain of a criminal. And uh, obviously so, the two, two are very, very different. So Fritz picks up the brain in the jar and then he hears a noise. He goes over to like the table and like for no reason, he just goes over to the table mm-hmm. and tries to set it down. And then there's a noise and he drops it. Like, why is he going over to the table? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Fritz is a little man with a terrible hump on his back uh, who can climb well, mm-hmm. but... He doesn't seem like the guy to send through a window to steal a breakable object. <laughs> he doesn't seem like the guy to send to do anything. So he drops the good brain and it smashes all over the floor. So he steals the evil brain. And this brings us... This is, I guess, a plot element that was added late in the game, too. Um, 
And it, I find it confusing. You liked it because it imp- it shows you that Dr. Frankenstein wasn't intentionally building an evil creature. Mm-hmm. I don't like it because I don't think Frankenstein's creature is evil. Like, I don't think he's a bad guy. He's just confused. and That's true? He, yeah. But he did murder a child? He, he murders a child, but only because he doesn't understand what would happen if he threw her in the water. Like, he wasn't trying to kill her. He was trying to make her float like the flowers. Yeah, but he still killed her. Right, but it's not because he's evil. It's because I he's... don't think he's evil. Right, so I don't understand why you had to see an evil brain be put in him. Like, Because people in theaters at that point in history would probably assume he's evil, Dad. Put a damaged brain in him, maybe? Or maybe like Fritz scoops the brain he dropped back together and brings it back to Dr. Frankenstein? I don't think like... Dr. Frankenstein would have bought that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it came like this. It was like this in the jar. It's a good brain. I don't know, like maybe a, maybe like one brain was like uh, a normal brain and one brain was a brain that had like, suffered some sort of trauma. And that's like, and so like maybe they're, like you were saying the, uh, earlier, the frontal lobe was damaged. Um, something. Criminal minds. It teaches me things. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I think it muddies the water a little bit. When I was a kid, I really liked it. I thought it was cool. And then I read the novel and I was like, well, that doesn't happen at all. The vaguest thing about the novel is. Is how he creates the monster. It's just like. And then I made a guy and I robbed a life. And it just sort of goes on from there. The movie, of course, spends most of its time beginning runtime on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is cool. It is cool. He builds a monster man. He also says that he, he says, so when we think of this movie, we think of him bringing the monster to life with electricity because there's a lightning storm and he raises the monster up in the lightning storm and then there's thunder and lightning. But that's not what he says brings the monster to life. No. And I totally not. This is not stuck with me. I'd forgotten about this. And this is the part that I find pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that, uh, he's like, you know how there's ultraviolet light? Well, what if, he's like, I have found like a higher color than ultraviolet light. Uh, it is the great ray that first brought life into this world. And so he's discovered how to focus this color. Let's be honest, it was the color out of space. That's what I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh. To me, there's an interesting, like, obviously it was not the intention of the writer. I mean, that was just wasn't even a thing at the time. But but I like to think that he had tapped into something a little more cosmic than just lightning. And maybe what he brought back wasn't the mind of a human. Right. Maybe it was uh, alien. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of the. I can't think of any of Lovecraft's alien monsters. All of a sudden, the what of Cthulhu's minions? Like what? Who were the guys from the Shadow Out of Time? I can't think of their names. I can't think of any of their names. All I can think of is Tekalili, Tekalili from Mounds of Madness. <laughs> I was gonna say the Tekalilis, but that's not right. I cannot think of any of Lovecraft's monsters, which I am ashamed of and embarrassed. Uh, you should be. Have you taken a look at your bookshelf lately? Yeah, I have books books of does Lovecraft just stacks and stacks. Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> you should Google it. No, it's gonna take too long. It doesn't matter. You get what I'm saying though. Like an alien consciousness that entered this monster, which is why it doesn't really <clears throat> understand what's going on. Of course, it could also not understand what's going on because it's a monster that he just brought back to life, and it's kind of like a baby man. It is. But, like, that's what I'm confused about. Okay. Because they use this person's... First of all, where did they get the nerves? 
Like, do they attach it to some kind of like spine? Yeah, is like, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's how also, brains work. Yeah, because like that, that, whatever. I'm not gonna get the right, science right, behind right. it, but uh, they used this full grown man's brain. At least I assume it was a man. Like, who yeah, knows? I think it was. I think we saw the. So why is it like a child? So that's the that's the big question. Um, again, like in the novel, it's just he creates life, and it starts off as an infant, and it has to like, I mean, it's a it's in a man sized body, but it starts off with an infant mind, and it progresses. Yeah, by putting a brain in there, you're like, what's the, even the point of this then? Like, you could have used any brain, and it wouldn't matter because it starts off personalityless, and without intelligence or understanding. I don't know. Maybe that's something he wasn't anticipating. Brains have like grooves on them from memories and like learning things like so i'm wondering if like maybe like just in death like the brain is just sort of like wiped clean and like you bring it back to life and it can do basic motor functions and basic like cognitive things but at the end of the day maybe maybe dropping the brain didn't make a difference after all like maybe either brain would have had the same result just sort of this blank slate strong man why make him so big and strong that's another question. Who knows? Why didn't he make a little mannequin? Why didn't he make like a little like three Why foot tall? Why didn't he try with like a freaking bird or something first? Why didn't he just cut Fritz's head open <laughs> and put him of the brain in there and bring him back to life? That guy wouldn't be able to kill a child. That guy wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah, he was a broken poor man. Well, he's dead now, so it's He okay. is dead. So he gets killed by Frankenstein's monster after Which is a... You know, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, he's very abusive. So the monster is brought to life, and it's fine. Like, it's just sort of slow, and... It's learning. Yeah, it starts learning, but it's terrified of fire. And Fritz gets, like, all up in its grill with, like, a torch and is, like, intentionally terrifying it and beating it and, like, just does not like this monster mash. I don't understand why. Because he's a jerk. He's a jerk. He's He's Frankenstein's little jerk. I don't even know who he is. Like, where did he find this guy? <laughs> he, we don't get. He lived in the windmill already. We don't get any history. There's a little uh, error in the script where Baron Frankenstein, Doctor Frankenstein's father, says like he's been spending all of his time up in this windmill. He doesn't talk like that. He has been spending all of his time, time in this windmill. windmill. He's not uh, Dracula. He's been sitting all this time up in a windmill doing God knows what. And you're like, no, he hasn't. He's been in a castle watchtower. Because originally in the script, he was supposed to be in the windmill the entire time. And they changed it to the watchtower. But the script stayed the same in those scenes. So a little flub. A goofer. I didn't notice. Yeah. I noticed it just because I was like, wait, he's not in the windmill. And then he's in the windmill at the end. Which makes sense. Like, why would you build your science lab in a flammable windmill? <laughs> like all this like electrical equipment who are you a disney villain i know it's just gonna go up in smoke and then you're gonna be left with nothing nothing um i do want to talk about the uh the beautiful makeup work on the monster itself done by jack pierce who was from what i understand another of hollywood's big jerks but he created a beautiful monster a monster so beautiful and so iconic that uh you couldn't, you can't, in the future, you couldn't just show that monster. Like, you had to pay for the rights to that face. Like, that makeup was owned by the studio. So, any monster, any Frankensteins after that, like, if they want to look like that, they have to pay Universal or come up with something that doesn't look at all like it. Um, but we all know what the monster looks like <clears throat> square ish head, uh, electrodes sticking out of the neck. 
which uh, makes no sense if he wasn't using electricity to revive it. Uh, a low brow, but far more like expressive than I remember him being. Like Karloff does a lot of stuff with his face. That's very. Uh, he's built quite a character. He builds quite a character with the monster. Like the monster obviously has emotions. Yeah, and has wants. Like that's that's one of the things that I really got out of it watching it this time is the monster is pursuing desires that he doesn't know what they are but or how to like, express what he wants well, but because uh, he has the mind of a child at this point right he does things with his hands like when he's sitting uh that it's just kind of this like reaching like he doesn't know what to do with his with himself and you sort of get this feeling that if he had just been treated well it would have been okay mm-hmm. Like, if Dr. Frankenstein had been like, hey, Fritz, maybe not with the hitting so much. Maybe we should just let this guy sleep in a room, not chained to a wall. He wasn't chained to a wall originally. Originally, no. Um, But then he kills Fritz. Which is fine. And then he escapes. He escapes. Okay, so he escapes, and then he kills a little girl. Mm -hmm. Famous scene that was famously cut and not restored until I was in elementary school. Like, it was gone for decades. Um, I read that too. And I remember when it was restored, it was a huge deal. There were like news reports about it. Frankenstein was shown on TV again. Like it was, uh, we got shown it in school. Like our teachers were like, let's classic monster movie. Let's watch Frankenstein. And we all watched like Frankenstein killing the little girl. It's not graphic. Like they don't Hmm. really show it. Well, they do show it actually. He throws her in the water. You don't see her like die. No. Um, And it's, it's a frightening little scene. Like, because he doesn't mean it. Like, that to me, that's what makes it scary. They're talk. They're like throwing flowers in the water and they're floating. Yeah, she's like, I want to, what did she say? Like, I made a boat. She has this, like, she's this cute little voice and she's like. That water was very shallow, right? Yeah. That wasn't just me. Well, I mean, it's hard to tell. She definitely gets submerged when he throws her in. No, she doesn't. She's just floating there, face down. She could have turned over or something. Like. Well, she was very small and wearing those like heavy dresses. Oh, that's true. Like those things will get soaked and those things will pull you right under. As we have seen from Pirates of the Caribbean. And Hamlet. I haven't seen Hamlet. That's what happens to Ophelia. Her dresses weighed her down in the water. You look confused. Hamlet's girlfriend. I know who that is. Have we heard it? Is there another character named Ophelia? There's many. I don't know. In other things. What was the name of the girl from Pan's Labyrinth? Was it Ophelia? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, why have I heard the, the name, name before? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's how Ophelia kills herself in Hamlet. She just throws herself in a pond or a lake and her clothes pull her down. Um, sad. Oh, spoiler alert for Hamlet. <laughs> Ophelia dies. Uh, um, but, yeah, so the monster, it's, it's a chilling little scene because he's so big and she's so small. And as soon as he picks her up, you're just like, oh, no, dude no and then you get the shot of the father like carrying her through the town that's why i don't particularly feel bad (laughs) for frankenstein i mean i feel bad like his abuse and like what happened to him but it's not an excuse i do i sympathize with him in the way i sympathize with with a dog that bites Mm -hmm. and is like oh you were just raised you were you just don't know what to do with yourself because you were abused by your owners and I'm not comparing, I'm not saying Frankenstein's an animal or Frankenstein's monster is an animal. Frankenstein's an animal. No, he's uh, not. I'm not saying Frankenstein's monster is an animal. Like, obviously, he had like human empathy and sympathies. He just doesn't know what to do with them. Uh, 
But he hasn't been alive for very long. And yeah, but like he obviously has some form of common sense. Well, not yet. Like you have to be taught that stuff. Like you really do have to be taught that stuff. If a child is raised in that kind of environment, well, they won't develop sympathy. They won't develop. Yeah, I'm not talking about sympathy. I'm talking about common sense because he's he has fears mm-hmm. and fear eventually leads to common sense that's well, the only reason i think like i mean to me like he's been out in the wild his fears are very to me primal like and he didn't think he was killing the little girl like he thought he was he thought he was taking something beautiful and making it float like she did with the flowers what is this the clown from it is this pennywise no because the, no, the clown of it is intentionally evil <laughs> The comic book is pure evil. Oh, I like that clown. Frankenstein's monster is a lot of things, but I don't think he's evil. I don't think he's evil either. He turns wicked in the novel, like intentionally. He's like, and now I'm a bad guy. And he starts like murdering people just to get back at but Frankenstein. Like, like if you, okay, let's say you were making someone like a salad and you put uh ingredient in that you didn't know you they were allergic to mm-hmm. and then they died because of that you yeah. would still have to take responsibility for that oh yes 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 i'm not saying that frankenstein shouldn't frankenstein i'm not saying that the monster shouldn't be taught that what he did was wrong and possibly punished well, i don't think that he should have gotten burned alive no <laughs> but so that leads me to my second question so we I, to me his intentions with the little girl were an accident but let's talk about what he does to elizabeth that's creepy because he goes after her. Uh-huh. How does he know what to do? I don't know. <laughs> like, so that's my that's my question. Who, like, what kind of criminal was this man's brain? Yeah. So what happens is Frankenstein's monster escapes. And mm-hmm. then there's like kind of a time jump. And Henry and Elizabeth are getting married. Let's talk about Henry and Elizabeth's marriage. <laughs> this is a man who does not want to get married. No. Like we said before, before the show started, he doesn't want anything to do with this beautiful woman. He wants to stay in... His dark tower with his man son. With his little man building a bigger man. That's... That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He does not want the affections of a woman. This is like a very subtle Rocky Horror. Yeah, this is this is the story of rocky horror that this is the subtext that they made into text in rocky horror this yes was, this is the story of a man who has a lot of inner turmoil builds another man who is out of control that society turns on and chases and destroys burns out of him basically there's a lot of weird you can read a lot into it like who knows how intentional it was, but people, it's it's easy to see this as metaphoric, uh-huh. <laughs> especially considering his total disinterest in Elizabeth. Bef- while we're talking about his disinterest in Elizabeth, let's talk about this little love triangle that tra- they tried to make. <laughs> There's no love triangle. <laughs> but they tried to make one. <laughs> Tell us about this love triangle. <laughs> so there's Elizabeth. There's Victor and there's Henry. Yeah. Elizabeth wants, obviously wants to get married to Henry. We don't really know how she feels about him. She worries, but she's like a sister to him. Yeah. 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 Like they're not like, of course they're going to get married because that's what 
they're being told to do but they're yeah. more like siblings than they are like in a relationship there's henry who is disinterested in marriage and pretty much social contact in general like yeah <laughs> and then there's victor who's in who's creepily in love with elizabeth so we talked about the uh the weird interaction he has with elizabeth where yeah. she tells him no but goodbye goodbye we don't see much interaction between him and henry no we do he's like weirdly like alpha male towards henry yeah like he's very like you take care of elizabeth right now like you can't lock yourself in that tower or i'll steal Something? her like yeah. <laughs> it, it's not so much a love triangle as a line uh-huh. from victor to elizabeth and then no one else to anyone else like there's no no one is there's no couples here like no one no. wants anyone except for victor he wants her but that's it and it doesn't work as a love triangle but it does work in the sense that you're sort of given these like kind of weirdly isolated people my favorite character was definitely the uh main frankenstein man the uh baron frankenstein yeah baron frankenstein's cool he's played by uh Frederick Kerr. You know who my favorite character is? Who? The Burgermaster. Lionel Belmore plays the Burgermaster who runs the town. He's in a couple. He he starts the he starts the mob up against the monster. Um, But no, Baron Frankenstein's a cool character. He's just kind of like comedic and just like, I don't know what's going on here. We were talking about how there are some characters who have no like distinct anything like Elizabeth and Victor. And what I was going to say was the small little interactions we see between Frankenstein and the little girl and the little girl and her dad give them more character than those two main characters. Yeah, the little girl and her dad, Maria and Maria's father, um, they're kind of cool characters. Yeah. Like, Like, you, you get this, like, sort of, like, in, like, 30 seconds, you get... A sense of what their lives are like like her mom is gone mm-hmm. we can assume that she doesn't have any siblings her dad is supporting them pretty well um she really likes spending time with him he can't do spend that much time with her because he has to work a lot right so she has a cat who she plays with instead yeah and but they love each other very much like yeah, yeah you get this like in like a, in, in a very quick scene, you you're like I understand this family dynamic, mm-hmm. and then when you see him carrying her, that's why that scene is so emotional, is because you've actually started to feel for this guy. None of the other characters. I mean, you worry for Elizabeth because okay, so Elizabeth is getting ready for the wedding. Uh huh. She's in her beautiful gown. It yeah. is a beautiful gown. It is. It's amazing. amazing. Like it, it it the train carries itself. I don't know how they pull that off. When she walks, it just flows behind her. It's beautiful. She's in her room. She's locked in her room because the monster got out. Yeah. And so Victor's like, or Henry's like, I'm going to lock you in your bedroom so that you're safe. All alone with no one there to help you. Oh, by the way, there's a giant window. And this monster's quiet. So she's facing the audience. and The monster creeps in the window behind her. You don't see what happens. But then you hear her scream and they break the door open. And she's just, we thought dead at first. Mm -hmm. She's on the bed. But uh, the monster just threw her on the trash, the room and like threw her on the bed, I guess, is what happens. Uh, it's vaguely um, uh, assaulty, like sexual assaulty. Mm-hmm. You don't I don't think they intended for you to think that that happened. But the the uh, the context clues are like there. It's it's in a position where you're reminded of that kind of situation. It yeah. raises the emotional and the danger stakes a little bit without having the monster do anything like that. Like 
they 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 pose her in such a way as to suggest that. But and uh, she's passed out. Yeah, like so, she's had a terrible fright, and the monster threw her on the bed. I guess maybe they burst in and he ran away. We don't know. But did he know that she was Henry's fiance? Well, he overheard their conversations. Like that's a definite. Yeah. And we don't know how much he actually understands yeah. anything. We just know that she's a pretty woman and he's the first woman that she's ever he's ever seen. Right. I'm not really sure like how much time has passed. Uh between the monster escaping and the wedding. So one I don't thing, think that much time has passed. One thing that happened is there's this doctor, uh, Dr. Wildman, mm-hmm. who's been left in charge of the monster. Which is strange. <laughs> right. Um, and, and he's going to kill it. Right. He's going to lethally inject it and Which, put it out of its misery. Who knows why he thinks that would work, considering none of the veins are connected to each to other. To anything. I, we don't understand what's happening with this man who's been pieced together, but... Uh, uh, why didn't he just be like, I just cut its head off, like or something, like pull the threads that keep its skull back on? I gotta know. Why he's, do you have to make this so complicated? <laughs> he's gonna inject it. Uh, well, he's he has injected it and he's got it on the table. Yeah, and we don't really know what he's doing with it at this point. Like, right, he's gonna cut it open. He's got like a bunch of like equipment. Why just not make it simple and cut its head off? Who we knows? don't know, but he's killed by the monster. Which is sad. I like that guy. Who escapes. But the time frame is weird. Like, Victor or Henry has left the castle. He's getting ready for the wedding. The monster escapes. Finds Maria. Kills her. But that's the day of the wedding. Like, I'm not sure, like, how long the monster's actually been loose. I think the monster... I think the monster was loose before because I think people were mentioning, like, seeing, like, sightings. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't think it was loose for that long. Right. I think maybe, like, a week which is weird because wouldn't Dr. Frankenstein have been like, wait, that's my monster. Right, right. Do I, I don't know. Like, um, whatever happened to the doctor's body? Like, Yeah, so they, they find out that, that the doctor, Waldman, is dead. Uh, Elizabeth gets attacked. Um, Maria's father brings the little girl through the town while the wedding festivity is happening. Pretty cool parties going on, by the way. A lot yeah, of German that dancing. Was, that was the first time I realized it took place in Germany. Yeah, there's a lot of like lederhosen and that thing where you like slap your legs a lot when you're dancing very good just like that <laughs> um, and then there is like <clears throat> bread there's a lot of bread everywhere and then there's a big chase scene uh where the town like rises up in revolt the angry mob which is very frustrating for me to watch okay. all chase scenes are frustrating for me to watch because they're so they go on for a while they go on too long well this one goes on for a while and it goes on on basically one set that they keep shooting from different angles i was like that is that is a theater set that is it's a theater set. It's, is, it's, <laughs> the movie is very set bound it yeah. looks like you're filming on a stage on a sound stage the background is obviously painted the uh there's like psych lights and but uh so they're running to the mountains they keep like oh he's over there and you see the monster like up on a thing he's over there and then it ends up with victor and the monster like face to face and then there's that I don't want to talk about this chase scene anymore. It's boring. <laughs> the, the monster knocks him unconscious. Knocks him unconscious, drags him to the windmill, mm-hmm. where they start lighting the windmill on fire before Frankenstein's out. <laughs> right. I mean, they know he's there. They're like, get out, get out. And he climbs to the window, and the monster, then the monster, the windmill gets set on fire, and the monster throws Frankenstein out. No, Frank, he follows Frankenstein up to the thing. Frankenstein's climbing out of the like, balcony happens? and falls onto the ground. Oh, he falls onto the windmill, the the the, the blades. Yeah, and then, and then he falls. That's how he keeps from getting completely killed. Yeah, so f- 
the monster was not helping in any way. Right, right. The monster, then, I think the monster wanted him dead at this point. Yeah, I could not, I guess I couldn't tell if the monster wanted him dead or wanted him to escape. Regardless, it doesn't matter because then the monster is trapped in the flaming, flaming flames. windmill. The monster's trapped in the flaming flames. Uh, you see this beautiful shot of the windmill in flames as it's turning. I thought, da da da, the end. Like I just remembered that being the end is the flaming flames of the of the windmill. What was the end? The end is we're back at home, and Baron Frankenstein's like, and we all live happily ever after. And there's like he's out in the in the hallway with all the serving maids. Oh, and, and then there's like, like the the weird wine thing. And he's like, I bought some wine, and they all have like wine, and like it's this funny little like ha ha scene. And I like the maids. The maids are very funny. It's very funny and very cute, but it's tonally like really weird. Like you've got this like super dramatic ending, and it's like dun dun dun, and then like a t- two minute scene of like oh, here's a funny little joke with our favorite character, the wacky Frankenstein, <laughs> and then it's the the end, and then credits. Um, Yes, yeah, so there's this like tonal thing at the end that I am not a huge fan of. I liked it. It would have worked as a mid-credit scene if they were doing that kind of thing back in the early 30s, as Maybe opposed to like. Maybe that's what they wanted to do, but they just couldn't think of the idea. Like showing it after the uh, credits. Now, obviously, this is not the last film in the series. There is a direct sequel called *The Bride of Frankenstein*, which we'll be covering in a couple of episodes. Um, so you're sort of knowing that in advance. You're like, well maybe the monster isn't dead uh we don't the monster's dead at the end of this movie yes but as far as the end of this movie is concerned you've destroyed the monster um using its worst fear against it which which is is kind of horrible considering how freaked out that thing got by one torch to be surrounded by flames is kind of a horrible thought yeah but again i don't blame townspeople (laughs) uh no 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 and again that is the thing it's like it's kind of the stereotypical, like, the angry mob who wants to destroy what it doesn't understand, but... It did kill a child. It did kill a child, and... It did, like, assault a woman. <laughs> it, it assaulted a woman, it killed a child, and so, like, I can see where the, the mob is just like, this is a superhuman monster, we've got to do something about it. Like, like, put yourself in their shoes for a second here. Yeah. If a super strong monster came into your home, assaulted a woman, and murdered a child, <laughs> what would you do? You'd probably set it on fire in a giant windmill that's definitely what i would do i would find the i would i would kidnap it in my car find the nearest <laughs> and just go out of my way to do exactly that so uh that's that's uh frankenstein that's uh frankenstein from 1931 uh directed by james whale and uh starring our friend uh boris karloff as the monster or question mark as the opening credits say as if a monster just wandered onto the set <laughs> we talked about this yeah. like it was supposed to be like a romance or whatever and then the monster just wandered on and yeah they're like okay i guess we're making a monster movie with whoever this is <laughs> so, some drunk man with like makeup on and that's a holdover from uh the earliest known frankenstein play uh, they didn't put the uh, name of the actor the, yeah. yeah it was a question mark uh, a play that mary shelley actually saw which is kind of cool like to think that like she she was around for like the 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 beginning popularity of this they did get a tesla coil by the way like one of the original ones they didn't get it from nikola tesla okay but they did manage to get one oh the set is amazing Mm -hmm. um that was like the the quintessential the the archetypal mad scientist set 
uh, it was used again in Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein. Uh, a lot of the same, the exact same set pieces were just repurposed, and he used them again to recreate the Frankenstein set. Um, because in his early movies, he was a stickler for authenticity. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a fast movie. This whole movie is like an hour and ten minutes long, uh, which is a relief from the four-hour four movie like we that just watched. Before. Um, it's it's super short. It goes. It, it was over before I realized it. I was like, oh, oh, oh what? Like, wow! Like this movie's just it doesn't waste any time. You're just which I like. Personally. Yeah, it, it gets it gets in and out, and it's done. Um, and there's not a lot of emotional baggage. <laughs> there's not a lot of emotional baggage. Um, Unlike the Avengers movies. <laughs> now we know from reading and from seeing and from all evidence that this is one of uh, Guillermo del Toro's favorite stories and one of his. Biggest formative fears. movies and biggest fears uh what is he afraid of making the movie <laughs> yeah he says he always wanted to make a frankenstein movie but he doesn't know if he'll ever be able to like he doesn't even know. though they want him to everyone wants him to make a frankenstein movie and i feel like there are some things that people just can't do yeah but i feel like if they had somehow like twisted his arm to just make a frankenstein movie that would have started the universal monster <laughs> not, reboot yeah not the mummy not the wolfman not dracula untold none of those like uh guillermo del toro frankenstein could have set up a nice movie universe a la hellboy <clears throat> but instead of making frankenstein he's just made a lot of pseudo frankensteins mm -hmm. uh, a lot of movies about monsters who who knows even if he did make an amazing frankenstein movie if he would ever be happy with it though. yeah yeah i mean it may it may just not be in the cards it may just be like that that white whale that he's forever just going to be like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to make this. Um, and I think that's fine. I think he's got plenty of other stories. I think that the, the influence of Frankenstein of the story itself and of this movie in particular shows through in his, Oh yeah. In his work. People with a God complex creating monsters that destroy them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, misunderstood monsters, uh, things that are, large and destructive but who don't mean to be large and destructive or who can't help but be large and destructive right the uh the beauty of grotesque makeup uh using makeup that will accentuate the emotion of an upper performer as opposed to as opposed to hiding it i want to make something very clear before we end this episode i am not because i've empathized a lot with monsters and other and the other del toro mm -hmm. movies that we've seen like the monsters who like were terrible and like killed a bunch of people but that's different for me mm -hmm. because it's like they need to do that to survive mm -hmm. but frankenstein didn't need to kill that little girl to survive right. like there's there's a very big difference for me between those two right right and of course and on my on my side like i said like i believe that it counts, but he wasn't trying to kill the girl. He was trying to create something beautiful. I like the I like the notion. I think it's a very Del Toro y thing, which is the monster destroys in his desire to create beauty. I think that's a very like dark and sadly beautiful thing that can happen to a person. Like I'm trying to create something wonderful and all I've done is destroy and bring about my own destruction. Like I think that there's a there's a poetic nature in that that I see sort of sort of reverberating through his movies like I was trying to do good. I was trying to I was trying to do something good and I slipped up and the whole world's falling down around my head. Um, okay. If he if he does never make a Frankenstein movie, 
Mimic was definitely his Frankenstein. Yeah, that's a that's very much a Frankenstein movie. Um, yeah, with its themes of like birth and out of control creations and stuff. And creatures that will destroy you and themselves in the process. Yeah, and fire at the end. <laughs> a lot of fire at the end. Um, but no, like th- this movie has a lot of atmosphere. It has a lot of it has a lot of humor, like mm-hmm. in in unexpected places. Uh, it has grotesque uh, performances. Uh, it has the men who are monsters and the monsters who are men. Um, I didn't see any monsters in this movie, to be honest. Besides maybe Fritz. Fritz was kind of monstrous. He had a lot of problems. Who knows what his deal was? But he had a lot of problems. Where did he come from? Who knows? It has a love story that doesn't quite work, which kind of happens in some of Del Toro's movies. I like um, that though. Love stories that don't work. quite work. Yeah. Yeah, like people who just aren't meant to be together. But who have to be together due to the circumstances. Yeah, like just the awkwardness of like, huh, this isn't working, is it? Like, I don't I, know, yeah, I agree. Like, that's kind of an interesting di- 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 uh, dynamic. 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 <laughs> that was what I was trying to not say. <laughs> Dynamics. <laughs> uh, but it's it's definitely, oh, and it's, and it's, and we'll see this, of course, in Brighter Frankenstein, um, more, far more than we see in this. But it's another thing of this is not a, a movie where a director just came in and just like rubber stamped what the studio wanted. Like there's a little flair here and we're going to see James Whale pick up, pick that ball up and run with it in the future. But uh, obviously that's what Del Toro does when he does a work for hire sort of thing where he takes a pre-existing idea. I, guess, I don't even see he does work for hire, but when he takes a pre-existing idea he will say i will direct this but i'm gonna make it mine and i can see where like these kinds of movies where they where the person's like i will adapt frankenstein for your studio but i'm gonna do it the way i'm gonna do it i'm excited to see bride of frankenstein yeah it's fun you know i don't want to build it up too much it's still like a universal studios picture it's not like you know like he reinvented the wheel but in a way he kind of did and it's and it's a little goofier and a little a little funnier um and as many people would say, it's the it's it is the it is the better of the two movies. Um, but again, I don't I keep trying not to color your perceptions going in. Forget I said anything. It's too late, Dad. Um, but but at the end of the day, uh, what did you think? I of, liked it. <laughs> did you did you like Frankenstein? I did. I I saw it when I was in elementary school. Um, didn't remember it very well. I remembered the dead dead girl scene though. That's the only part I remembered. <laughs> I think that shaped a lot of my personality yeah, going into the future. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a potent scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw it when I was a kid, and it stuck with me. Again, the little girl scene stuck with me. The it's alive scene stuck with me. Uh, I re- I remember being surprised at a lot of it. I think I I think I may have actually originally watched it with my mom uh, on like Sunday afternoon movies on television, or I may have been shown it in school originally. I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but I've watched it several times since then. Um, again, it's an easy movie to watch. Only an hour and ten minutes long. You can't really complain about a movie that's only an hour and ten minutes long, can you? I mean, I, you can. I've seen some very hard to sit through hour and ten minute long movies. Like I've seen student films. Oh, I've seen some student films. <laughs> um, but otherwise, other than that, you know, otherwise, uh, I'd say if you're gonna watch it, uh, get a good clean copy. The version we saw, uh, it was weird. The sound was bad. Uh, it was kind of hard to hear at times, uh, like especially the beginning. Yeah, and then I got my hands finally got my hands on a on a better quality copy. Uh. There's actually a set, a DVD set you can get that has like all the Frankenstein movies on it from Universal, and uh, the it, the Bride and the original have like commentary tracks and stuff. And they're, they're, it's a solid, it's a solid transfer. You know, like if you're gonna watch it just on DVD, uh, 
get get a good transfer because there's a lot of co- different versions out there and some are in better shape than others so shop around or um, if you're not going to use dvd just rent it off of like amazon yeah or yeah like something but test the waters make sure you're getting one that you can hear and that has a nice crisp clean picture just with some good restoration done in, in recent yeah. years um so that's it that's 1931's frankenstein we'll, we'll, we'll we have three other frankenstein movies in the future mm-hmm. um two from i believe hammer so uh we'll see how this obviously del toro loves his frankensteins but next up is not frankenstein uh, because we just did it <laughs> or in, at all uh next up is mr todd browning's movie freaks freaks which you have never seen no and which i making me not want to see it with all you're saying i don't think you're gonna like it it isn't i don't think i don't, I don't know what you're gonna think of it that's all i'm gonna say as long uh, as there's no secondhand embarrassment <laughs> we'll, we'll find out uh, i haven't seen it since college it's been a long time since i've watched freaks um so i'm i'm curious to revisit it as an adult and like see what i think of it because it's a famous film it's a very famous film but we'll touch on that next i, yeah. I now i just want to talk about freaks but uh <laughs> we'll watch freaks we'll talk about freaks next time uh until then you can find us on uh twitter at del toro time that's where we tweet into our tweets you can find us on facebook at it's del toro time um otherwise we're just you know we're around go to go to itunes mm-hmm. if you like this show go to itunes and tell us what you think be constructive as ollie says mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't take hate Haters, haters are fake. Hate. <laughs> is that a saying? <laughs> I was trying to think of the saying, but I couldn't, so I just said the first words. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Players gonna play, 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 play. Something like that. Now we're gonna get shut down by Taylor Swift's people. No, Taylor Swift's too busy in the court right oh, now. That's right, she's in the court. I don't know when this episode is gonna drop, but at the time that we're talking, she's in the court. <laughs> Because of a very traumatic experience that we had to go to. Very traumatic experience. And our hearts are with you. Yes, we love you, (laughs) Tay-Tay. But until next time, I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And we'll see you when it's Del Toro time. time.